0: KRCL, 90.9 FM, HD1 in Salt Lake City, Ogden, and Provo. 96.7 FM in Park City, on the web at krcl.org. Listener supported community radio. Support for radioactive
1: on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru.
2: Homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown
3: is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing.
4: Plant that bill and let it ring. Homegrown. It's Al Dan, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer, and this is the Punk Rock Farmer edition on Fridays of uh, Radioactive. Laura Jones is always here in the studio. Hi. Thanks, Laura.
5: You're welcome. <laughs> I love the what's fresh that we've started. I know that's coming up tonight. You talked to a couple of folks at Farmer's Markets, and, so as you go out and about to what is there like a couple dozen of them? You're interviewing folks and bringing it back.
4: There's it's been great. Um, you know the things that are fresh are like greens and stuff right now, and some garlics coming in and. You know the the big the heavyweights will come soon, but uh, there's a few cherry tomatoes in -in (laughs) groaning greenhouses and stuff, and you can if you get there early, you can get some of that stuff.
5: So it's really hot today and windy. We talked a bit about that with eBay. What are you doing to protect your garden this weekend?
4: Watering it more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There you go. And I have shade cloth over the peppers. Mm. I've got to get that up. Also over another small hoop that has some cabbage that's just head starting to really head nicely and some swiss chard and stuff that doesn't like the heat at all
5: Oh yeah, yeah. oh man it's coming it's coming fast this season so on the show tonight digging deep into the agri what you got
4: so um margot drager's with us from irc new roots and um international rescue committee for folks who don't know that acronym um we've we've had a great relationship with the, these guys and uh The refugees are growing always something just a little bit different, and we'll find out about the three markets that they have.
5: Under the Sunnyvale brand, I think starts tomorrow, maybe?
4: Yeah. Okay, so stick
5: around, folks. Then you've got Heather Griffiths from Wasatch Blooms trying to find the studio right now. So, Heather, it's west on North Temple, north on 6th West, east on 3rd North. You'll find us.
4: She's got a half hour. She's only around the corner. (laughs) She better.
5: And then we've got Skywatcher Leo T, a special summer solstice conversation he came in earlier this week since he couldn't join us in person to share some of the the good word from above and then earlier today i went to this uh, dedication of a bridge here on salt lake city's west side in honor of archie archuleta the late activist and his wife lois who is still with us so stick around i've got some voices from that dedication to share with you we've got what's fresh but uh, let's start with some homegrown music shall we
4: always Uh, Ben Swisher's with us from the Salt Lake library public library the hum catalog are we delving into it again we have some great concert things coming up right
6: yeah so we have our summer concert series that's going on at three different uh, branches in our system right now so there's a good mix of hum artists and also the slug magazine local CD kind of artists in there too
5: Excellent. Hum, hear Utah music. Lots of great downloads. And do you even need your library card? I think you can just log on, right? Oh,
6: yeah. It's just free music to log on and listen to. If you want to download it, though, and make a nice little mixtape, you got to have a library card. you got to
5: get your library card, which doesn't cost you anything, folks. So the Summer Concert Series, how many branch locations? They're all doing it?
6: Uh, Just three of them. Three. Yes. So we're doing Poplar, which... Poplar Grooves at Chapman. Chapman. And then we're doing... Sounds of Summer at Sprague, and then we're doing Concerts by the Creek over at Anderson Foothill.
5: Anderson Foothill, so Mm -hmm. who's this first artist? Tell us a bit about Angie Petty.
6: So Angie Petty is gonna be playing at Sounds of Summer at Sprague in August, and the song is called Timing, and she's newer to Hum from, like, the last submission round in February. Yeah. She has this real vibey Salt Lake City kind of r and pop that is about love, emotional baggage, and then she says everything in between.
5: Awesome. Stick yeah. around because there's another Hum submission window opening up later this year, right? Yeah, in
6: August. Okay, so, so we'll talk
5: about that. In the meantime, I'll do the honors.
4: This is Angie Petty with Timing, uh, right here, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM. Ooh.
3: The sky
5: Angie Petty from the Hum catalog with Salt Lake City Public Library. Al, I like that. That's good. I like that a lot. You can see her live August 11th at the Sprague Branch Library Sounds of Summer Concert Series. Stick around for some more from Hum and all the concert series going on at City Library Branches. But Aldine, the summer solstice is coming up on Tuesday. I always think, great, the days are going to start getting shorter, but they kind of, it's kind of they stall for like three months Uh 100 uh degrees well we wanted to celebrate the solstice and then i asked leo to come in and talk a little bit more about it here's that conversation Skywatcher Leo T in person in Studio 1B here at KRCL for a special solstice
0: edition of Many
5: Cultures, One Sky. How you doing?
0: I'm doing great. It's an honor to be in these lovely studios as always. Oh,
5: thanks for coming down. We're going to get to the solstice. You even have a special interview to share with us. But first, let's start what's going on in the the sky above our heads.
0: We're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, as you talked to me about, you mentioned this and it's really been great going on all spring has been these conjunctions in the morning before you get up usually. (laughs) They're Up there, you've got Mars and Jupiter, Saturn, all hanging out and moving around like balls on a a pool ball table. But right now, coming up on the 24th is going to be a real visual treat because you're going to kick it off. Get out there at 5 in the morning with your hot beverage if you can. Maybe a lawn chair would be, maybe it's too chilly, but anyway, get out there. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn are all lining up, and as an added bonus on the 24th, Your favorite, the waning crescent moon is going to be joining the formation. So when a couple of planets get together, two or three planets, that happens uh, once in a while. But having five, that hasn't happened since 2004 and may not happen again or will not happen again until 2040. So it's kind of a rare occurrence.
5: Now let's talk about what's going on with NASA and some of their gear,
0: shall we? Oh, and NASA's been having fun with the Voyager. Now the Voyager 1 is out there. You know how far it is out there? How? 14.5 14.5 billion miles. Wow! I think I actually
5: follow a Twitter account that says exactly how far away they are. Oh. I love that.
0: Yeah, I love that too. And it's uh, so it's been out since 1977. And if you know what Voyager's done? Of course, it's done all those tours of Saturn and Jupiter, beautiful photography and uh, amazing uh, exploration. But right now, they're having little problems with the articulation and control system that affects how it uh, is sending its telemetry, and they're getting some quote junk telemetry unquote. At NASA's Thomas Zirbrudin says that it's a challenge, but they're going to fix it.
5: They're going to fix it remotely. And again, how many billions of miles away? 14.5. 14.5. It's probably further now. Well, in other space news, the solstice is coming up on Tuesday, June 21st at 3.13 a.m. What is the solstice, Leo?
0: Well, we're going to have fun. It's the uh, summer solstice. Uh, as you said, 3.13. It's uh, The seasons are controlled by Earth's tilt on its axis. And the June solstice, the North Pole, tilts toward the sun. So it's the start of summer in the northern hemisphere, as if it seems like it's already here. And winter will be starting in the southern. Then six months later, it flips and the December solstice. The axis tilts back, and we have winter. It also creates the longest day of the year for us here on the solstice and the shortest in the southern hemisphere.
5: I keep thinking that means the days will start getting shorter, but not for three months and lots of triple digits, right?
0: Yeah, not for a while. A few days, it seems to stand still, which is uh, what a lot of the... uh, People, the pagan people, uh, look at that and go, wow, something's going on.
5: Back in the old ancient pagan times and rural parts of Utah, where <laughs> I may or may not vacation on occasion. <laughs> but so let's get to, into your special guest for the solstice. Set up this interview that you did.
0: Yes, the, these guys, uh, Daud and Chloe, they're archaeoastronomers, and they are down, uh, when I go down to Toria, I go down there quite a bit, and they're, they're roving around down there. They're building this uh, hay bale house, and it's an octagon-shaped. It's kind of a kiva-looking crazy thing, really neat but they also go out exploring. Every time there's a solstice or an equinox or some sort of lunar or solar event, they head out to parts that they can't tell you sometimes.
5: Let's roll that conversation.
0: Well, we got, I've got my friend and colleague, Del Houd, the science uh, archaeo uh, astronomer and uh, housemaker. What
1: else do you do? Um, well, I like to observe the sky. And, um, yeah, we're getting ready to go out next week on a summer solstice trip to the Four Corners region, yeah. which is, um, you know, Utah's a part of those Four Corners and you have Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona, and we'll be more over in the Colorado and New Mexico side of the Four Corners coming up this Sweet. this trip, yeah. So you are gonna go some uh, specific sites? Um, yeah, so we have a, a whole list. The thing is that I was kind of thinking about it and realizing that Four Corners in the U.S. Has so much interesting archaeology and history going on and if you think about it there's other areas in the world that are somewhat comparable but from my understanding and knowledge I think that if you're looking for certain um, archaeoastronomy sites that are interacting with the say the summer solstice there are so many summer solstice sites happening in Four Corners that I could go there every year and be able to document several sites every summer solstice and um, they're close enough to each other that, th- that you can drive from one to the other and catch a bunch all in the same time. I don't know of any other place like that in the world. That's that beautiful. I, that I can think of.
0: And so, uh, overall, sort of with your archaeoastronomy, with when you go to solstices and equinoxes, you're looking for some specific uh, items in space that are happening uh, in the
1: sky. There's a wide variety of things that you can look for. Um, usually would be sunrise and sunset, what we're we're trying to capture from certain locations. But there is a a lot of different variations in the way that ancient people would have been interacting with the sky and or tracking things. Uh, One um, way to uh, look at it is uh, rock art interaction with light and shadow being cast on rock art panels uh, all throughout the Four Corners area. You can find these kind of sites. Also, you have another variation, which would be architectural interactions, where you have a a building, what they call in the Chacoan era, they would call like a great house site that would have some kind of a wall or an orientation with uh, specific um, landscape features on the horizon that would interact um, for special events on the solstices. Amazing. Uh, Can you give us a brief explanation of what the solstice is? Oh, yeah, so we're coming up on the summer solstice, and it would, will be uh, June 21st, and it ends up being the longest day of the year, so it's a significant um, event in our yearly cycle, and so it's the longest day, shortest night of the year, and the term solstice means um, sun stands still. So it, the sun appears to, you know, Puebloan sense, you would say it's in its summer home, And it appears to stand or rise and set in the same position for several days in a row. That's why on a solstice trip like this, because you have multiple days to be able, if you go from sunrise to sunset, you can actually see several on the same uh, solstice time.
0: Wonderful. Chloe, is there anything specifically that you're uh, specifically kind of looking at on this next track of yours? Or are you just going to see what happens?
7: I'm kind of really focused on the lunar cycles right now. So, I mean, I have such a background of recognizing the solar cycles so that's always nice to do. But for me, I guess I'm really feeling and experiencing these lunar cycles as they relate. Um, So, you know, with As we're getting to summer solstice where the sun is high in the sky, you know, it's these long days, it's higher in the sky. That means the full moon is going to be opposite that. The moon, of course, is going to be going through all of those phases, but when it's full, it's going to be the opposite. So it's going to be behaving more like a winter sun. Um, So you're going to get long shadows from that full moon. So I guess kind of experiencing those types of things are more of my focus right now.
0: Okay, I'm going with you can't stand it. You guys have too much fun. <laughs> you guys want to say anything to you, uh, KRCL people?
7: I think get out there. Look up in the sky. Um, you know, look at your shadow, your moon shadow, your sun shadow, all those things. Experience it.
0: Happy solstice, everybody. Happy solstice. Yeah, happy solstice.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
5: Dayoud and Chloe in conversation with Skywatcher Leo T, who is uh, in Studio 1B recording this conversation uh, for us. An extended Skywatcher Leo T for Punk Rock Farmer Friday. And we're going to close with some Many Cultures, One Sky. And that's uh, something I think we can all agree on right now in our divided times.
0: Definitely. And let's add One Earth to that. In her book, The Anthropology of Turquoise, Reflections on Desert Sea, Stones, and Sky, Southeastern author Ellen Malloy relates a couple of items I, I can't help but read. Miss Malloy, who is usually writing about the desert, is on an island off of Cozumel. The light is diffuse and moist over emerald water with a metallic cast. La Isla de los Jaros croaks and clicks and quivers as the birds settle in for the evening. The search for birds will take you places you might not otherwise visit. Birds make you step out of your life and into theirs. They move about under your nose or on the other side of the globe. And as Miss Malloy dips into the ocean, out on the reef, in the boat, in the rhythmic swells of ultramarine ocean with noisy splashes, we drop over the side in flippers and face masks and kick around the boat like satellites. Face down in the blue deep, the dream world, royal blue fish with fins like silky feathers, a school of black and gold striped fish rising in a pillar from organ-shaped lemon-yellow coral then turning as one like a swarm of technicolor starlings, starfish the color of strawberries. Why is there so much color in tropical seas? Why this wild baroque of shapes and forms? I'm reassured that no one knows the complete answer, that this is simply what this turquoise water does with protein and cells and sun. Thanks, Ellen, and if I may, Laura, this program's dedicated to Uma, the dinosaur buckbuck, who looks and moves like a little sweet raven.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Skywatcher Leo T, people can get all their sources and tons of cool photos where?
0: Right there on the Skywatcher Leo T Facebook page. We're going to have it loaded up with lots of good stuff.
5: And I hear you're working on a star party.
0: I am. I'm uh, working with some people out at Spock. We're going to see if we can get something going. Um I'm thinking about August at this point. So sometime in okay. August, we'll uh, stay in touch on that and We'll try and get that all set up so we can use those giant telescopes out there and all those expert telescopes. Out there in Stansbury
5: Park, right? Exactly, yeah. That's the Stansbury Park Observatory Center. Complex. 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 There you go, Spock. So, folks, if you're interested in working on that with Leo, you can reach out on his Facebook page, and we'll put a link in tonight's show notes. Thanks, Leo. Thank you, Laura. Here's your theme song. Happy Solstice. Ah, uh, Skywatcher Leo T. Aldine, you getting ready for the solstice?
4: Yeah, for sure. Okay. I'm ready for that star party. I want to look. I've been out there and I've yeah. looked through those big telescopes. We did it's a couple it's of pretty years. amazing. It's tons of fun.
5: And I, before we get to uh, our special guests for rallies and resources from the IRC and Sunnyvale Farmers Market, I wanted to share a few voices, Aldine, from an event that happened earlier today on the west side of Salt Lake City as a pedestrian bridge named in honor of west Side Advocates Archie and Lois Archuleta was dedicated. It runs, spans, uh, some people call it the Rocky Mountain Bridge, but it's going to be the Archuleta Bridge moving forward from North Temple to Second South parallels the Jordan River. So uh, here are some of the voices you're going to hear from the mayor first, Erin Mendenhall, then Jennifer Mayor Glenn, and then Angela Romero. Here we go.
8: Oh, we are here to celebrate again and in a a lasting tangible way the impact and the reach of Lois and Archie Archuleta. I am not going to go too deep in metaphor here, but naming a bridge featuring such an impressive arch after the Archuletas makes it impossible for me to not draw at least a few more analogies and uh, parallels here. When when I was part of the council, we finally succeeded in convincing Union Pacific to allow us to build this bridge. Remember that this bridge was the last major gap in the Jordan River Parkway Trail, which spans more than 80 miles. This was the gap. And when we succeeded in getting the bridge and, it, and we came out for the opening of it, I knew in my mind that if I ever had the chance, I was gonna name it after the Archuletas because this is the family who has brought community together, who has spanned divides. Hang on, I've got a good speech here and I'm leaving it, so I gotta come back here. (laughs) Their impact has been larger than life. And I figured that only something that's 1,200 feet long and 60 feet tall would do as an appropriate namesake for Archie and Lois Archuleta.
9: He was a card-carrying socialist. And there were parents that did not appreciate that.
10: And he ended up a little bit embattled in the system and instead was able to go into um, a wonderful space which was to be able uh, to create an alternative school for um, young black and brown boys. And uh, that school is now what Horizonte is. And so he was the one that began that work began supporting
9: young people that, that weren't being supported in the school system and frankly still aren't very well. I am who I am now today because of Archie Archuleta and Lois Archuleta and you know coming from a small town in, in Twila, um, moving to the big city, I mean Tula's not a small town anymore, um, the Archuletas welcomed me into their family and into their home and so they made me feel like I was part of their family. And they care so much for the community. And I, I you know, I don't wanna tell political stories of Archie because Archie was about equity and about justice and making sure that everyone had a space at the table. But more importantly, Archie cared about his family and so did Lois. And they both given to our communities here in different ways. But what they taught me was how to love your family. And it doesn't have to be the family you're born into. It can be your community family. And so they guided me they mentored me, and some of my favorite memories aren't marching on the streets with Archie, which I did. I was his sidekick all the time. People would ask me, what are you doing? I'm like, hanging out with Archie, and they're like, isn't he 70-something? I'm like, yeah, but we're gonna go to a protest today. But some of my favorite memories of hanging out with Archuletas is in their yard. Archie and Lois love their garden, and they're conservationists, and so that's why I'm so excited about this na- bridge being named after them because Archie cared about the land and so does Lois and they know how we're connected to the land. And so for me to see this bridge named after them, it's just amazing. And there are a lot of people that ask me, well, I never got to meet Archie. I wish I got to meet Archie. And I'm like, you can, because Archie still lives on in me and he lives on in all of you. And so if you wanna be like Archie and think like Archie, then you are at the right place because what Archie was about was making sure that everyone had a place at the table He wanted to make sure that nobody was left behind in our current, and I hate to get political here, but I am a little bit, but in our current state right now, we need more Archies out there. So join me and be an Archie, and thank you for coming and honoring him.
5: Representative Angela Romero, Jennifer Mayor Glenn, and Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall on the occasion of this morning's dedication of a bridge on the city's west side in honor of... Archie and Lois Archuleta. Check tonight's show notes for some photos as well as a link to the whole press conference. But uh, I just thought that was something that we needed to share. Voices from Salt Lake City's West Side uh, here on KRCL Radioactive. In fact, Archie's face is on one of our radioactive shirts and he was on the show many times and I was grateful for For that and for knowing him. So, Aldine, uh, Rallies and Resources. We want to talk about farmer's markets coming up.
4: We've been talking about farmer's markets, so some all over the valley and around, and uh, let's talk about this. There's some special ones. The IRC is involved. Margot Drager's here. You reminded me that you were on in 2019. Yeah. It's been a minute. Yeah. I'm (laughs) glad you're here. Really great. So, you guys are expanding and there's going to be another market but let's talk about Sunnyvale because that's the one that's kind of fueled by the farm over on Redwood Road right
11: yeah it's from both of our farms so the one down in Draper the Whedon farm as well as the Redwood farm but most of the vendors are new roots farmers um, who are growing a variety of crops
4: and and that market starts tomorrow yeah tomorrow so um the address let's give the address it's uh, it's off 7th west and 39th south but
11: yeah so it's sunnyvale park it's um 4013 south and 700 west so kind of down a down a road that area has a lot of apartment buildings but no real grocery stores around so um that's why that area was picked for the market it's
4: a food desert yeah and, and so <laughs> i remember the early days of that market it was kind of a madhouse and <laughs> all the refugees that live right around there these farmers are at the farm are growing some crops that are indigenous to to these people's countries and where they live in in, in Africa and and uh, like um, Burundi and Nepal and those places and um, they see this produce and they and people got really anxious and Mob, there was some mobs and stuff, and it was, it got kind of like, like everybody wanted these little green eggplants that I had never seen before in my life. So it's a little bit of different fare there, right? A little, there's some different things.
11: Yeah, it's uh, a place that people can find produce that could be hard to find in a grocery store, like the small African eggplant you mentioned, um, bunches of leafy greens um, like amaranth and solanum
4: um lamb's quarter lamb's even quarter, yeah and these are things people don't eat regularly but they have some of the most nutrients in them of any of the greens
11: yeah we have some farmers that that speak about the different things that those vegetables can do like lower your blood pressure or help with diabetes and so there's a lot of knowledge around the plants as Food well it's medicine right
4: right and so the the dynamic changed a little bit you have you wait in line uh, and now the the farmers have taken over the stands. It, it used to be, you guys ran this ran the market, but but that's not the case anymore. You want them to to feel the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial part of it, right?
11: Yeah, that changed in twenty twenty where farmers were selling their own vegetables, which um, is is a great idea and should have happened a long time ago.
4: Uh-huh. <laughs> How and, many
5: farmers are we talking in the New Roots program these days?
11: So we have about 55 farmers in the wow. program some of those are farming with with their uh, partner um but at the market it can be anywhere from 15 to like 22 farmer vendors
4: cool stuff uh, you know some of the other crazy things were um uh the shoots that come off that come up off the pumpkin plant or the squash plant. They actually eat the furry little shoots that come up with, with the leaf on the top and not where the flower grows on a squash plant, but they're really delicious if you peel them a little bit and you cut them up like a green bean um they, someone, they told me this, this recipe where, oh, you know, maybe cook it with a little tomato sauce, and oh my goodness, they're really, really good. And But there's some things, like there's bitter melon, and that one, I'm puzzled it's really really bitter but I think they you boil it and boil it and boil it is the do you know anything about that one
11: yeah I think boiling can go a long way to <laughs> kind of get rid of the bitter and then just sauteing it maybe with onion garlic tomatoes and that helps as well but um, I've heard from some younger, uh, younger generation refugees that like, also can't get behind better yeah, really really
4: <laughs> so I'm not the only one but I'm going to have to try it though because then I heard it was boiling with the key and, and I haven't tried it yet so but I have tried some of the stuff and I've loved everything that I've tried from over there. It's really cool to find a different vegetable or find something that actually might be growing in your yard and you don't know it like lamb's quarter and it's really good mm. and good for you too. There's there's some um, new stuff happening. There's there's going to be a market at the farm at the one out on Redwood Road.
11: Yeah, this is our first year having a market in at our Redwood farm. Location And it'll be a great spot for the farmers because they don't have to travel to a market. And it's also an opportunity for the community to see this kind of urban farm. Um, and and that's just in the Redwood Park, Redwood Rec Center area.
4: It's like right kind of be- behind it a little bit to the east of it. And um, it's a three-acre farm there, right? There's three acres there that, that yeah. are being being utilized and and the plots are kind of made for a market gardener. they're they're like five feet wide and maybe 25 feet long or something like that and they grow one crop in each one of the plots that's what I what I remember
11: yeah the farm is is looking great right now so really green and and things coming up um folks have between five and and uh 15 beds to themselves and are mainly growing for the farmers markets
5: and that one's going to be on Wednesday evening starting later in June, like the 29th. So I love how many farmer's markets there are because then you can plan your, your shopping throughout the week, Al. But you have three total farmer's markets. So where's the third one? Yeah, so the third one is in front of the
11: IRC office downtown. And these two Wednesday markets are CSA pickup locations for the New Roots um, CSA, which is kind of a weekly vegetable subscription.
5: I think I saw that you can still get in on that for another couple days. Yeah, we're,
11: we're leaving it open for another week. Um, so that's that's still open on our website. Uh, you can find more information,
5: newrootsslc.org. So you get it, that share owl, and you feed yourself, but you're also supporting new farmers in the community, new members of the community. I yeah, like exactly. Like so uh,
4: you mentioned Weedon Farm, and that's the big, it's, it's like more than 10 acres um, down in, it's, it's in West Valley, but in the South Valley, right?
11: Yeah, so we have 13 acres down in Draper, the Weedon Farm, um, and the there's farmers farming on larger plots of land, so they can provide uh, produce for the CSA, for the markets, and, and to our wholesale buyers as
4: well. And then you told me there's a youth program coming where they're going to have some goats and uh, there's you know, something else going on, something great.
11: Yeah, this is the first year we're doing a youth uh, agriculture program that promotes um, working with livestock, growing produce, and, and leadership for refugee youth. And so uh, that's that started this spring, and uh, they just kind of got plants on in the ground, and they're going to come help out at the farmers markets and sell some of their produce as well.
4: Will there actually be animals there at the farm?
11: Yeah, we don't have the goats yet. They they're housed close by at Roots Charter High School, uh-huh, so uh-huh, very they've close. been helping us uh-huh. a lot and. Um, Once we get the infrastructure up with the fences, we'll get those goats over, and um, the refugee youth with the New Roots staff will be working on taking care of those goats and then showing them... at the fair and and through kind of a 4-H program.
5: You'll
4: have to keep me informed on that because yeah. I'm excited to come and visit and, and we'll we'll have another spot. We'll do it again on the show for yeah. sure. That
5: would be awesome to get their voices yeah. on the show and about yeah. their experience. So what's the website where people can catch up on all the markets, learn about the EBT Double Up Bucks and the different services as well as the great produce at all your markets, Margo? You can find us at newrootsslc.org thank you so much for coming in and there's a connection to heather griffiths later in the show because uh part of the csa flower share is partnering with new roots uh csa right right okay folks stick around for more details on that right now ben swisher is back for another song from the hum catalog as well as bands playing at the summer concert series at the city library who is our next featured artist here ben
6: so the next uh, artist is Nymph. It's the previous project of Sophie Blair, who's going to be performing at Poplar Grooves at Chapman on the 20th of July for us.
5: Give us a hint of what we're about to get.
6: Uh, Sophie describes this project as avant-pop viola sad songs. I really so, like this. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. And
5: I, I like all that's going on in it, I Also, so do the honors.
4: This is Nymph with CVS right here on Fresh and Homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
2: Visceral vapor wave,
5: did they break your nose? Reach for your archetype before you go. Located at Jordan Park on Salt Lake City's west side, the Ninth West Farmers Market happens every Sunday, 9 a.m. to 2, rain or shine, Hot or cold through mid-October. Featuring locally made goods and homegrown produce from backyard gardeners, farmers, chefs, beekeepers, and more. Details at 9thWestFarmersMarket.org.
11: Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and their Love's Diversity Initiative. Mark Miller Subaru is a proud community partner of Project Rainbow. Spreading love together this Utah Pride Month. Learn more at
8: ProjectRainbowUtah.org or markmillersubaru.com.
4: I'm here with Kevin Nash from Earth First Eco Farms, one of my homies from long way back. Kevin, what's fresh today? Today fresh, we have lots of green herbs. We have uh, some uncured garlic, nice and juicy. Lots of lettuce, lots of greens. Starting to see uh, green onions and things of that nature. Hopefully, we'll get into some bulb onions in the next two, three weeks. Lots of greens right now. Well, of course, but, but you got some garlic yeah, here. I, I, always, I always try to have garlic the first day. I had a little bit last week. I've got more this week. After this week, I'll be, you know, full-blown into the garlic. Um, hopefully, shallots pretty soon as well. Very good. Here with Kevin Nash, Earth First Eco Farms. You can find him at the Downtown Farmer's Market every Saturday. I'm here with Reno and I'm at the downtown farmer's market. He's here every Saturday. Whether he likes it or not, he's here. (laughs) Reno, what's fresh today?
0: Well, we have some radishes. We have some zucchini with zucchini blossom. They come from the greenhouse. Beautiful. And I have some sun sugar tomato. I'm not advertised because they are very small quantity. And again, they come from the
4: inside. The ones that come from the open field, they are not ready yet. Not yet. Uh, next week, we are going to have some peas, you know. Some peas. Peas.
0: And do some more, and arugula, and I have some baby spinach, and some salad mix. And those are
4: the main things that I have right now. Thank you. You're welcome. Reno, he's here every Saturday at the Downtown Farmers Market.
5: Uh, and he's like you know get here early and i got my secret stash of tomatoes he
4: had some tomatoes Mm. he had some squash blossoms oh Oh.
5: (sighs) i love that i love that so this is uh, punk (laughs) rock farmer friday i'm radioactive i'm laura jones and aldine strick nine it's time for the urban farm
4: report urban farm report um heather griffiths is with us and heather you were the first flower farmer i ever visited here in Utah, and we talked about slow flowers. Let's let's ease into it and tell folks what slow flowers are.
10: Yeah, so slow flowers is kind of like the sister movement to slow food. Um, it was started by Deborah Prinzing maybe about fifteen or I think about fifteen years ago, um, and it's it's the concept that of buying locally grown flowers because flowers are a major agricultural product and they're a major ag- agricultural agricultural excuse me <laughs> product in the u.s as well um and so in the during the drug wars of the 90s they sent a lot of flower production to south america um, to discourage them from growing other things and to encourage an economy of flowers and so we went from we downsized our domestic flower growers by three quarters. We had 25% of the domestic flower growers that we had before. There was this push to for South America flower growers, and now it's kind of picked up again. So I'm going into my fifth year, and when I started in Utah, I could only find like three. Now I know that there's probably five at the time, but now we have over 100 flower farmers in five oh, wow. years. That's
4: so cool, one, but some of the some of the things that were going on and why the flowers weren't slow obviously they're traveling a long ways uh, making a huge carbon footprint traveling from south america to here but but some of the chemicals maybe they're using not or not regulated that kind of thing
10: right totally so like roses they'll dip the flower bud in fungicide before they even package it to help it de- um to keep from rotting as it, during shipment but that fungicide is incredibly powerful and it's not something you want to put in your milk bath um, or put on your wedding cake. And so things like that. And because it's not a uh, an edible agricultural product, it's not regulated to the same degree as the other like the strawberries from Mexico.
2: Uh-huh. And
10: so it's they're There's they're allowing things, um, allowing tr- treatments, chemical treatments that are not even legal in the U.S wow
4: so that's some you know this is a great reason obviously to buy slow flowers and locally and um <clears throat> uh, recently you started from this little farm in your backyard down, uh, here, in the uh, down here in the salt lake valley behind yeah. your house and you guys moved and you guys bought the farm but not <laughs> in that sense you literally you guys bought a farm
2: yeah was and so you guys to watch. live
4: in Cache valley now how has that been do your kids like it up there you, did your husband agree i mean come There's, on you how guys how did the moved. huge
10: transition go it was it was the, the year long move is what i call it <laughs> um my kids i mean of course there was a period of assimilation and getting used to it not having friends just right like your your houses aren't 20 feet apart anymore yeah. um but you know it's been great my kids now love living on a farm 6 months ago you you they would have been a little more upset if you had asked them uh-uh. um but yeah like i started in my backyard in salt lake and then i was able to get a commute uh, some space at a community garden in South Salt Lake and then two years later I was able to lease land in Riverton and things just kept slowly growing and building and the momentum just kept going and then when my lease the winter before my lease ended I was like if my lease ends do I want to keep farming yes would I live without farming yes but like I need I need to farm I I would be heartbroken to not be farming and so we sat down, my husband and I, and we looked at the growth of my farm and how things had progressed and the growth of the community and decided that we would just jump in. We would just do it. And so,
4: so the song, the thing that comes to mind is the Virginia Slim song. You've come a long way. <laughs> um, your farm is massive. It's- How big? you're, you're, you're farming, you have thousands and thousands of flowers laid out yes. thousands so like tens
5: so of thousands. you gotta follow the Instagram on it's, this it's woman.
4: three quarters of an acre but that you're farming yeah and you're that's what you're farming your property is a little bit bigger than that
10: yeah the property is one and a quarter acre with water rights which was the hardest thing to find like you could find land um, but not with water water and, and so we're keeping some backyard for the kids to play in. And we got a dog, so the dog gets to play too. The front yard, we'll do it landscape, so it's all really pretty. And it's going to be this nice transitionary. It'll be landscape, so not for cutting, but I want to grow the same things that are that I'm growing to farm. Sure, show
5: it off, yeah. To, yeah,
10: to show it off. And I want people to, when they drive by, be like, oh, that's the flower farm. <laughs> um, and then the backyard, yeah, like you said, it's three, three quarters of an acre that we put into production. And um, it's... It's a lot of flowers. I think the, one of the best things for scaling up like this is having started so small, uh-huh. I really know how to pack a lot of flowers into a small space. Uh-huh. And so now I've got over 20,000 plugs that I've planted. I don't know how many seeds because I don't want to count that. And I planted around 2,200 dahlia tubers. Um, wow a lot
4: it's it's a lot And, and and let's explain where it is a little bit too you're in cache valley you're up up high yeah. the, the reservoir is full this yes! year Hooray! which means you have a ton of water I
10: have water to get me through the season
4: that's amazing that's so cool G- great good stuff last year it was a little low I remember Joseph yeah. was up there and he told me it was kind of he didn't plan as much to, last year because he didn't want to use as much mm. water he was trying to be wise about it yeah but you this year you have so a bunch of water Um Cache Valley, it's surrounded by mountains.
5: So beautiful. You're
4: in the middle of a big valley. It's all green. Your kids are running around, playing in the yard. They were so happy when yeah. I was there. I mean, it's really beautiful. What a great setting yeah. to wake up to every day.
10: Right. I I feel so, so incredibly fortunate. Like we when we decided to buy a farm, we looked everywhere from southern Idaho to Utah County. And it was oh, wow. so hard. Like, our first offer was rejected. And then our second offer, we fell out of contract because the land w- and the water were both too high in saline for flowers. Mm. And then this one came up. And it just, it just worked. And I just feel so incredibly fortunate that it worked.
5: And, yeah, I yeah go ahead. It's colder up there, though. It so is. have you yes, had to is. adapt <laughs> yeah. a little bit? And was that... Um intimidating. Did you have yes. frost
4: yesterday or the day before?
5: Mm, yes. <laughs> I but um
10: it wasn't like I'm yeah, so it's a zone five, so it's two zones growing difference. And I just planted almost hundred like ninety-eight percent cold hardy flowers. Okay. And so I planted a few things that were um that are heat loving. And I actually still have one more crop that I'm waiting to plant, even though it's, like, the middle of June. What's that? Uh-huh. Uh, Celosia. It really wants to have, like, 60-degree temps at night. And mm-hmm. so I'm just waiting maybe another week to get before I plant that one out. But the zinnias, they can do with 50. So, like, when we got the frost, it was more like 35, and my pile of, like, leaf mulch had a little bit of frost on it. Uh-huh. But And the zinnias were like, ouch. But they were fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
4: you told me that, um, and I, know, I didn't realize this, but if they're not blooming, they're fairly hardy flowers. Yeah. And, and I didn't, want, I didn't know yeah. that before.
10: Yeah, so the cold hardy flowers like the scabiosas and the snapdragons, it's, um, they're, they'll do okay. They will survive a frost. I mean, my snapdragons, I planted them out in um, late April, and I think we still had a couple nights where they got 25 degrees at night after they had been planted. Wow. Wow. And I had covered them with frost fabric and but they were still totally fine and uh-huh. Good. and so it's it's just if they're blooming then it's like the plant will still live but the flowers toast. They yeah. Would be toasted. I've had
5: those tulips every year yeah. in my old place that I would hope would 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 last for Easter and they would just get crunched, literally they get crunchy. Yeah. So um can you give us a list? I want to just like hear these flower names. That you've got growing. You said scabiosas. You said snapdragons. Uh, what yeah. else you got? All right,
10: I'm gonna like mentally walk through my farm in my head. So there's dianthus. Um, there's cosmos, which is one of my favorites to grow. Uh, snapdragons, scabiosas, focal scabiosas, lizianthus. I planted over five thousand lizianthus plugs. Whoa, that was that was hard work. Um, <laughs> I I really. I'll you've done <laughs> that much garlic, but because. <laughs> um, so i bought some really cool tools to make planting easier and to like save my back this year um but the lisianthus i couldn't use those tools for because the spacing was too close and so that one took a long time uh what else do we got mm, walking through the rows solid i planted some ornamental oregano but it probably won't be ready till next year planted some raspberries to use for the foliage um walking walking lots of dahlias i think i have 13 different varieties of dahlias all i mean so i planted nine rows of them and
5: the rows are 59 feet long wow it's um, insane I'm exhausted, but uh, I just want to come up and see it when it's in bloom. And yeah, it, is the growing period shorter, so you can get maybe a couple harvests, or how does it differ from vegetable production?
10: So the growing season, like the last uh, average frost date, is I'm I'm calling it June 1st. Really, it's like Memorial Day, which is just before June 1st. Yeah. But I'm just gonna put it in my mind. June 1st is my is the last. Spring frost, um, and then the first fall frost is like mid to late September. Wow! Um, so I'm really trying to focus this year because we just moved to this farm and I'm getting it set up, and it's taking a long time to get everything set up. And
5: you're learning the soil and yeah. the temperatures.
10: Totally, the weather. It's, it's a new, it's a new learning experience and new observations. Um, but my goal is to really focus on the earlier season flowers, and so that I can enjoy my fall. <laughs>
4: so. So uh, where can folks find you? I know you have some stuff at Whole Foods, probably a lot of stuff because you have a lot of flowers.
10: Yeah. So no, there's not, There's nothing at Whole Foods right now, but they can find my flowers at Whole Foods, all four of them. So sometimes I go to the one in Park City, not all, all the time, but fairly regularly. But the three in Salt Lake Valley, I, uh, I deliver to during season. And then um, I do my flower share. So even though I moved to Cache Valley, I am keeping my delivery zone in Salt Lake City. Uh, it just has I worked really hard for this for work for building my um, community Business, in Salt yeah. Lake. And so so I'm keeping my flower share to Salt Lake and we're, we'll just be delivering flowers the day of. And so the flower share is like a weekly subscription you pay uh, upfront. You can either pay for the full season all at once or you can pay for a month at a time. And then I think next week I'll open up paying one week at a time and then you just get your weekly flowers and it just goes all all the way to the first week so the end of June the end of June to the first week of September.
4: Very good. I want to get to the uh, Utah Cut Flowers Association, yeah. but I want to talk about something that you guys kind of adapted and did during COVID and it's some micro weddings.
10: Yeah. So I partnered partnered with Native Flower Company, um, which is this amazing long-standing florist um, who actually was just down the street from my old house. Um, and so when COVID hit people still wanted to get married you know they still love like they still want to have that to have they just still deserve to get married and you couldn't do it in large groups you couldn't have these big weddings anymore but you still can have a beautiful meaningful experience and with a small intimate setting and so we we worked together to have uh micro weddings or elopements or whatever you want to call it now because i don't think I don't think people will do like covid weddings. That's not really a not word anymore. Then, no. Um <laughs> but where you order the flowers on my website and it's very simple. Like there's no there's no like I want m- to make sure I have this one and I need this right shade of blush. It's just it's just simple. It's do you want moody flowers like burgundies and and dark greens or do you want blush where it's soft and and pastel and yeah. and so you pick that and you pick moody or blush. And I harvest your flowers and I deliver them to Pam. And then Pam delivers them to you um, on the day of your wedding. And it's just easy and it's no fuss.
5: And you're supporting a local grower,
10: yeah And there yeah.
4: was a little kitsch you said you said about it that these flowers are blooming during your wedding because they're local. So right. when your anniversary comes around, mm-hmm. you can recreate the f- same bouquet. Right. It's,
10: How it's amazing that. is it to yeah. like every year your flowers are now a part of your anniversary because every year you could just go to your farm, to your local flower farm and say, I'm looking for this and yeah. this and you can recreate it or you can just enjoy the, the an arrangement on your table and like what a what a wonderful way to like your husband doesn't have to guess what flowers to get because you can just say it's these ones do you remember
5: the moody ones it was the, the moody, moody. i had the privilege of taking a workshop with you back when you're down on peterson family farm mm-hmm. in riverton are you still doing that so How yeah people learn more
10: so we're doing the field to vase events where people come out to the farm and the amazing thing like uh, al had said it's mountains everywhere so i'm on the south end of the valley and we're tucked up they're even a little bit colder than logan but it's mountains everywhere i can have i have a beautiful view of the wellsville mountains and i've got the wasatch mountains to the east and the sunsets are gorgeous and (laughs) so i've i've actually planned it so it starts at 7 p.m to go and it goes till 9 and i actually because I am silly like this I plan them to be as close to the full moon as possible so when people are (laughs) driving home with their flowers the moon is lit and they just had this beautiful experience in the field with the golden light and it's just and so we go out we harvest the flowers I teach you how to harvest and then um, I'm I'm also trying to find a local potter to make the vessels that we make our arrangements in so I'm trying to and then we come back my niece
5: lives up there. I'll, oh, I'll, yeah? I'll connect you after the show.
10: Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we harvest our flowers in the golden light, and then we come back together, and I teach you how to make an arrangement from your flowers. And these are the same flowers that you're getting in a flower share. So if you sign up for a flower share, and you're like, I don't know what to do with this, and you just plop it in a vase, well, I'll, I'll teach you what to yeah. do with it, and you can make this really stunning arrangement for, for your dining table.
4: So we have, we have a little bit of time left. we got to pack in what the okay. Utah um, Cut Flowers Association, you guys started this, yeah. you and a few friends. You're the president of this organization. Yeah. Started with, like you said, four or five farmers, but now you have 130 flower farmers. We're not talking nurseries and stuff. This is like a farm yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about how, what you guys have going on now
10: so a couple of years ago when i had realized that there was a huge growth in the utah cut, uh, in the utah flower industry um i was like well, if we we have this really awesome opportunity to start working together um otherwise we're all going to just start fighting each other and to really build the industry and to create this foundation for us and so um a few friends and i uh, started the utah cut flower farm association the ucffa and and it's just grown it's just amazing the interest in local flowers and our goal has always been to one support the farmer teach them how to farm teach them how to sell their flowers and business practices and to make sure that they're getting paid an appropriate wage because it is hard work and if you're not getting paid for your hard work you stop doing it Um, and so and then to also promote local flowers to get people interested in finding their um, their flower farmer So we have like a map on our website You can go to the map and you f- and you can zoom in on your area and find the farms around near you, you near you not just like uh, Oh, I'm I'm interested in like this farm up here, but they're so far away. Well, there's a farm closer to you I'm, I'm sure I promise you there is <laughs> and that's but not all of our farmers are listed there um, because we we put the ones on the website, the ones that have been doing it for two or more years, and we ah. have over we have close to thirty of those now.
5: Well, that's fantastic.
10: And then we have more farmers that have been that are getting started, and they're looking for those resources. And then once they've been doing it for a couple of years, they'll get listed on the website too. You
4: uh, you told me that USU. Um, They did an economic study, and the local flower farm, uh, local flower business is a $5 million industry now.
10: Yeah, that's the estimate, is that $5 million, just Utah, just local grown flowers, $5 million in the state, which is amazing.
5: So folks can learn more by joining the association. They don't mm -hmm. have to be an existing farmer. What's the website for the association? So the the
10: association is just Utah Flower Farms, with an S on the end, dot com, flower farms, plural. Um, And then you can find your farmer there or if you want to join to uh, to get access to more farmers or to get access to learning how to grow flowers or we do quarterly meetups. We do have a every uh, every season we meet, we get together with our members and we talk about a certain subject or we have a farm tour. And then um, and then you also can find florists that are dedicated to using local flowers as much as possible.
5: And the website for Wasatch Blooms. Wasatchblooms.com
4: great stuff heather thanks it's great to have you, you thanks so for having glad me.
5: to hear more about your adventure in cache county folks check tonight's show notes for links to wasatch blooms all of our other guests and a list of farmers markets because tomorrow is farmers market day al there's oh, some yes. on sunday as well and more on wednesdays coming uh thursdays at liberty park coming uh, as well so folks no excuse not to get out and support the growers in your agrihood Who's up next week, Al?
4: Um, I think Joseph Lofthouse is going to join us for oh. a check-in, and his book's doing really well, uh-huh. and he was really happy, and he's, you know, he's doing his selective crazy seed projects. Planting. Yes, yes, yes.
5: Where can people catch up with you?
4: You can find me at Punk Rock Farmer Twenty Three. You can mm-hmm. send me a message there if you're a band or someone who wants to get on the show and get your farm featured. Um, punk Rock farmer23 at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram at punkrockfarmer.
5: In the background, we got Flowers on Loan Ben Swisher from Hum at the Salt Lake City Public Library. People can download music from the Hum catalog, hum.slcpl.org but you could see Logan Hone, who's in Flowers on Loan at the Poplar Grooves. Tell us about that.
6: So, uh, Flowers on Loan, or Logan Hone actually is going to be at Chapman at on the sixth of July, and then if you want to look up more information about the rest of the summer concerts, slcplorg concerts
5: And look for Humfest later this
6: year. Yeah, I think we're trying to bring that back, so we'll definitely be talking more about that when that okay. is a thing it might be this fall. Because
5: so. you only have like seventeen slots, Al, to get into the <laughs> summer concert series with the library. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for always being willing to come over and share here Utah music with us.
6: Yeah, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
5: All right, Aldine, do the honors. This is Flowers on Loan.
4: Flowers on Loan. I drove endlessly, fresh and homegrown, on KRCL 90.9 FM.
5: See the farmer's market! (laughs) Water. (laughs)
9: KRCL Salt Lake City it might take a while for that rusted out Geo Metro in your garage to become vintage so why not donate it in the meantime
11: KRCL's vehicle donation partner Cars Inc. will tow your car truck motorcycle or boat give you a tax receipt and cut a check to KRCL that means your college subie can fuel sagebrush serenade and your 1980 station wagon can power women who rock For details on donating your vehicle to KRCL, drop by the support tab at krcl.org.